Hello. Hello. How's it going? Oh, it's all right. <laughs> How's it going with you? Oh, it's going all right. You know, the song. Oh, lovely. Love it. Lovely. You ready? You don't believe in astrology. Oh, my God, you are so sexy. Hey, babe. What are you doing? How are you feeling today? Welcome to Hitched on the Astros, the podcast exploring the effectiveness of matchmaking through the lens of natal astrology. Hello, my angels. Welcome back. It's Lucy Porter here, your resident evolutionary astrologer, psychic, high priestess, and longtime student of relationships, attachment, and tantra. How good was last week's episode? So good. I love, 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 love a past life astrological connection. I feel like there's such a sincerity there, like an age to that interaction. It's like a path that's been worn with footsteps, but they're not, I don't think they're that common. Have you ever experienced one? No, I don't think I've had many past life connections personally, but I've had reams of North Node connections. They've just been scattered completely throughout my life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so maybe I've just burned all of my past life bridges. Ooh. <laughs> gotta gotta find some more to light on fire in this one. But I do think I mean <laughs> But I think there are I think past life collections are so interesting because it it's like unfinished business, isn't it? Or oh it's just quite quite a romantic thought, isn't mm-hmm, it? Two mm-hmm. souls destined to find one another again and again you know, throughout time. Anyway. <laughs> but what in the chart? actually indicates that someone might have had that kind of cosmic pull it's a good question babe because you're right i think that past life connections can seem kind of vague and abstract but they're super useful for self-knowledge when choosing a lover and there's like very definitive aspects in the chart which indicate these past life connections so the most important thing is the nodes they're your karmic roads And they show you where your soul has been and where it intends to go in this life. So as of course, you know, the South Node shows you your past life patterns, Mm -hmm. the dance that your soul has danced a thousand times before. If there is aspects between two people's South Nodes, it's like they've known each other before. And there's an instant draw, which we call chemistry. Oh, okay. Now your North Node, it's funny that you have many North Node connections. I mean, it's the point of greatest growth and discomfort. Oh, great. Yeah. So it's what the souls never experienced. So you're basically pulling in people that you've never known before that you've come here to learn from. And that can be uncomfortable. We don't really embrace fully our North Node until we're between 30 and 40. And sometimes it takes people into their 50s and 60s and even 70s if there's a lot to let go of in their South Node. That's long. It's really long. I mean, so if two people have compatible aspects in their North Nodes, it shows that they've come here to do something together, to teach each other something or to go in the same direction. Yeah, it's, that feels right. That, that feels right. Yeah. It's like they're supportive of each other's evolution, basically like Marta and Augustine. That was perfect last week. <laughs> love them. Love them and their North Nodes. So invested in that North Node couple. <laughs> I love them. But also one thing which also Marta and Augustine had oppositions they're super karmic and they're way more common so even oppositions in your own chart show you a kind of karmic push and pull between two fragmented parts of yourself and it's two narratives almost shouting to both be heard they're both like middle childs not feeling seen so they're rowing with each other 
Oh, I didn't know this. Yes. Oppositions in aspects in sinistry mm-hmm. were were karmic links super karmic so i mean let's just say that one person had their moon in taurus and one had their moon in scorpio there's a story there there's a dance happening mm. it's like two pieces of flint being rubbed together and it can be like chaotic sparks. or it can lead to something sparks babe mm. wildfires i mean i think remember last week that we spoke about the acdc lines and the yeah. icmc lines as energetic belief systems so if we layer this ancestral knowledge with this sort of past life nodal knowledge with oppositions we already with just three parts of the chart build up a really really clear picture of a person's spiritual direction in life, where they've been, what moves them, what entices them. And from that, there is so much to go on without a word from their lips. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredibly exciting. That's like a tapestry of everywhere their soul has been before Mm. and where they're supposed to go. That's really cool. So have we got a past life connection with, with our next lovers? No, not obviously. We don't. (laughs) No, we don't. But what we do have, Jordana, is what I like to call a this life connection. I think that like North Node, not even well, their North Nodes are very compatible with each other. I see that these two are supporting who each other is becoming, but they have a similar essence as opposed to a distinctive similar direction. I think that's quite good. I yeah. mean, that's that's interesting, but I think it's good that we've got a kind of range of connections for this experiment because I was wondering, you know, we've started out so strong. Mm-hmm. The only way from here is down, <laughs> probably, after such sweet success. But also we've got a new and very real problem of people having to confront being seen here in this space because a few people have dropped out, haven't they? Yes, yes. And I think it's so good we talk about this because... Yeah. It's funny, when when we first advertised this, we had about 300 applications, didn't we? And everybody was Mm. so, so keen. So excited. Throwing their birth time left, (laughs) right and centre, applying for their cousins, for their sisters. I mean, I was like, my God, everyone is so into this. We were quite overwhelmed, actually. I mean, we were saturated with birth charts. (laughs) It was five hours of reading through them all together on a Saturday afternoon. But we stated very clearly that the date would be recorded and people only to apply if they were 100% comfortable with being recorded. Which is funny because actually last week, Marta was saying that she applied not expecting to be chosen. Yeah. And I think that's, I think a lot of people are doing that. They just apply and they expect that they're not going to get picked. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't do that because there's a very real possibility that you might be picked if you apply. Exactly. That's the whole point, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah, you only get picked if you if you get matched with someone compatible. But that also might happen. So it's not enough to just apply and go, I'm applying because it maybe it won't happen. Yeah, of course. No, you apply. You apply because you want to be matched. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, exposure brings up a lot for people. So It, it really does. And actually, I think this is something that's really important to talk about because I mean, we've spoken about this before. This is exactly what we're trying to do here is Mm -hmm. bring some transparency to dating in the sense that we don't have to arrive perfect. Mm -hmm. We can arrive anxious or vulnerable or scared. And that is still okay. We're still lovable in these spaces. It's still safe to be in these spaces. If anything, that's more the point. Exactly. You're seeing people as completely human and fallible. Exactly, exactly. And not two dimensional. I mean, our our aim, I suppose, is to create a space for relating to be safe, especially as in our romantic relationships, 
it's where we begin to heal from childhood trauma through that safer relating. So it's just super common to arrive at romantic relationships feeling really scared of being seen. That's exactly how the birth chart comes in so handy. So much in the birth chart we can see about where we're scared or where we carry trauma or where we carry contraction is where Chiron is placed. Mm -hmm. And if we can shine the light on Chiron and take ownership of where we're wounded, which can be very, very, very hard. But if we do that and enter a relationship from that sort of vulnerable and more open space so freeing yeah chiron is is important i mean it's not actually a planet it, mm -hmm. it's an asteroid that sometimes acts like a planet <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes you know depending on the mood <laughs> but it's named after the wounded healer chiron in greek mythology who mm -hmm. might be related to a thessalian deity we're not entirely sure we do know that chiron was the center who was taught medicine essentially herbalism by the god Apollo mm -hmm. and then he goes on to teach Achilles and Ajax and Theseus and Perseus Hercules basically any Greek hero you can possibly think of Chiron probably taught them he's the wounded healer because he is eventually hit with a poison arrow accidentally by Hercules whom he's taught uh, <laughs> so he, he tries to heal himself and then oh, fails and then eventually he becomes a constellation <laughs> That's how it goes in Ovid. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> He's an outlier amongst centaur kind. Mm. The rest of the centaurs generally travelled in packs, in herds, and they were known for being lascivious and loud and very drunken. Insert Sagittarius joke here. Uh. But Chiron was predominantly a teacher, and he was actually descended from the titan Kronos, or we might think of Kronos as Saturn, which probably explains why he's a little bit more reserved mm. than the other centaurs. But either way, he's always associated with this complicated relationship between hurt and healing. But what would you say that Chiron kind of symbolises relationally in a birth chart? It's so funny hearing Chiron's story. I totally understand why he does what he does now. <laughs> I understand his, his attachment style. <laughs> so, I mean, Chiron placement in the birth chart relationally, I like to not put too much emphasis on just how painful that wound is. I like to call it the sob story. Don't want it to feel overwhelming, like we just cannot face this wound. But essentially it's the obstacle that one must overcome to feel free of that deeply mm. ingrained fear, which is often past life rooted, or actually it can also be prenatal. So something experienced in the womb. Wow. Yeah, it can show a complicated birth or a complicated ah. nervous experience being inside the mother. You can see okay. that Chiron in a specific house, but Chiron simply just shows us where it hurts. And the house of Chiron, like I said, is very important because it will show the area of life where this very old pain will come up for you. So if we shine the light on that darker place and we allow someone to see us doing this, it is so, so deeply healing. Mm -hmm. Vulnerable, challenging, but so healing to be seen. Yes. I think the story of Chiron is an excellent way of understanding the kind of fundamental tragedy of the wounds that we're carrying from others, as well as from ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's that constant relational aspect to the story, because in the myth, he's wounded by somebody he's known somebody he's taught and loved mm. and then he tries to save himself rather than be healed by anybody else even though they obviously also know everything that he knows because mm. he's taught them mm. and so that wound of being seen of, or not wanting to be seen and the fear around that 
are so incredibly deep and in some sense they are systemic you know Mm -hmm. because there are so many people who were denied a place where they can be seen and heard and structural oppression manifests in emotional and spiritual wounds as well as the physical injustices that we can see and perceive and measure Yes, I feel like we live in a society, right, which is is kind of fractured. Completely. It's a collective wound that lays deeply in our unconscious, all of us. Yeah. Boo capitalism. In it. Boo colonialism. Yeah, screw it all, babe. (laughs) So anyway, we're going to be moving away from gloomy, tragic Chiron. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Who are our next? couple and why have you matched them well jordana my love this week we have two lovely lads we have the pilgrim and dylan the demigod now i will just interlude and say that jordana and i have gone to extremes very much creating archetypal nicknames for every chart that we look at it's almost half the fun yeah We're very committed. Massively committed to that process. These two are a very different match than to the ones that we had last week. We'll start with the Pilgrim. He is a Capricorn with an Aries moon and a Cancer on the Ascendant. He has tons of Capricorn again. Sun, Mars, Neptune, Mercury, Uranus. This guy's cardinal was hell and very forthcoming. Now he's got this gorgeous relational placement, which is that he's got his son conjunct his descendant, the relational line, just one degree apart. So for him, it's that he really brings warmth and light to union. He's also got his Mars there, just like last week. So it means there's a slow emphasis on relationships, i.e. he's a long game guy, but always looking for union. I imagine perhaps he hasn't found anything serious enough yet because he's got all of his Capricorn in his eighth house. So for him, this life is like a slow evolution, one Mm -hmm. sacred step at the time. He's here for transformation above all else, hence the name The Pilgrim. Mm -hmm. Now, The Pilgrim has a serious soul, but a light demeanor. He's got Venus in Aquarius, which I love because he wants to be penetrated through humor, innovation and individuality. And now... Speaking of Chiron, the Pilgrim has his Venus trying Chiron in Libra, which is great because it brings this flow and expression to where he's wounded. Like there's some ability there to express pain. It's not deeply lodged. Yeah, that's much nicer with the influence of Venus on Chiron. Mm. And obviously because Venus also rules Libra. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a nice little, yeah, warm light breeze blowing in with all of his cardinal placements. I love that. What as well I love about the Pilgrim's chart also is his north node in Libra in the fifth house. And his south node is right by his moon in Aries. So he has this deep capacity for tenderness on a humanitarian level. His love is large and quite spiritual. And this path is really sweet for him because he gets the opportunity to hone in that very cosmic love into humans, like bring it down to earth and explore flirtation and creativity and lightness. I Mm. love that it's all, it's sort of about balance. Yes. Fantastic. Okay, so his match, the demigod. So our demigod, I mean, hence the name, also has bloody tons of Capricorn. I don't know where we're finding these Capricorns, but they're they're dedicated. They're dedicated. Exactly. Exactly. This is proven. He's got his son, his Saturn, Mercury, Neptune and Uranus all in Capricorn in his ninth and 10th houses. So 
this guy is connected to wisdom on a whole other level. He's just naturally connected to higher knowledge, abstract thought, and commitment and dedication to truth and exploration. He has his Saturn and his son on his MC. So here we have, again, a man like a mountain, <laughs> perfect for our pilgrim to climb. He's Atlas. I love this. <laughs> now, there's just so much of this demigod's essence that requires being seen, like a, a public reputation, a good impression, a great mm. career. He's also just like the pilgrim in a way that they're both slow, deliberate climbers who are dedicated to evolving. That's very cap. But here is the, the link. He has his Venus in Aquarius too. So oh. there is that mirroring in like light and open desire mixed with a strong, dedicated undercurrent. He has his moon in Leo, which makes a creative, loyal, sensual lover, which makes a perfect fiery element to the Pilgrim's Aries moon. Now, what both of these charts have in common is both of their south noted beside their moons. This just shows such a tenderness of spirit and perhaps past lives as psychics. Damn. Our demigod's north node is in Aquarius in the 11th house. So here we have a great north node aspect. Both matches have their karma in fire and their dharma in air. So the demigod can teach the pilgrim how to love here on earth and the pilgrim can teach the demigod about loving widely and in true expansion. Oh, I love that. I love that there's a, a connection between knowledge and learning and mm. helping one another on their paths. That's lovely. But okay, so they sound like, well, they sound to me like a great match. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope that they will be. But if you had to give them a rating out of 10, mm, what are they? I think they'd be good for each other. But yeah. because they're both slow burners, I'm not sure if they'll immediately get each other at first. Mm. I would say that if they can meet through their humor initially, mm. I get sort of strong collaboration vibes. It's almost like they're supposed to create something together and know each other and meet through this portal of lightness and humor. I give them romantically a six out of 10, but in terms of a collaborational humor, higher, 7.58. So Ooh, okay. Jordana, we need a mega, mega fun game. <laughs> What are you thinking? Mega fun. Okay. Well, I don't know that I can live up to mega fun, <laughs> considering this is still on Zoom. But I guess we've got to loosen these these cap stelliums up. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking Pinterest board creation. Ooh. Okay? It's, a, it's perfect earth sign bonding. Yes. So they both make a Pinterest board, shared Pinterest board. Like it's a collaborative task. Oh they my need, god! They need collaboration, so they've got three minutes to gather images of their dream homes, <laughs> <laughs> and they can kind of like talk about their dream. I mean, I just quite like doing this, to be honest, <laughs> talking about dream homes. But I just think it it might be quite fun and might get them to to create something together and bond over very traditionally Earth sign <laughs> desires needs. I mean, it's so tacky, <laughs> but. Fun? Jordana, that is the most. I couldn't have thought of a better game myself. I'm sure somebody out there could. <laughs> no way. So let's hear how our lovebirds got on and tweet, tweet. what will they say when they play their amazing shared Pinterest board <laughs> game and then spill the beans to Jordana. What's their shared monastery going to look like? Is it love at first sight? Will they get hitched on the astral? Let's see. Mm. I'm 25, 
Um, so I live in Leicester. Mm-hmm. Um, I've pretty much lived here all my life. Um, yeah. I was born in Hertfordshire, but then I grew up in Leicester and I've just been here for the rest of my life. <laughs> I went into it with an open mind. I wasn't expecting to be picked um, out of all these candidates, but hey, here I am. <laughs> so describe yourself in three words. Three words. Okay, unapologetic, because I have no regrets. Um, with what I do. I'm just very much myself all the time. I'm very free-spirited um, and I'd say I'm very big-hearted as well. I would say that I am... Um, it's quite difficult when you think about these things because trying to think of words to describe yourself sometimes is a bit bizarre, but I'd say spontaneous for sure. It's one of the qualities that I like to be spontaneous. Why also I'm doing this? Just my friend told me about it and I said, yeah, definitely sounds fun. I think I'm quite intuitive. Um, about other people, but maybe not the most self-aware person in the world, which is probably an oxymoron, but, and I'd say hedonistic, that I'm always just looking to have fun. So yeah, it sounds, yeah, if it sounds like a good plan. I'm probably quite impressionable as well. If somebody tells me that something's going to be fun, like, I'd be like, yeah, even if it doesn't, if I, it wouldn't be necessarily something that I would want to do, I'd be like, yeah, sign me up. So yeah. I'm always up for mischief, so... <laughs> <laughs> Easy to get yourself into mischief as well, for sure. Do you have a good time on your date? I did, yeah. He's a really nice guy, so I was actually really looking forward to doing it anyway. So, and then the fact that he was nice was great. So I had a oh, good time. Good. I, I actually enjoyed being on the date and speaking to someone that I had that I'd never met or seen, or you know, um, this is basically matched on our charts. It's a very good experience. You know, normally on dating apps, you know, when you're on there, you're just swiping left, right, then you match, people don't speak, it doesn't go anywhere. I've been in numerous situations like that, but I like kind of having organic connections and relationships. And it's not your usual kind of, oh, off the dating apps or mm-hmm. this, that, you know, I like I like it to be kind of unique and unusual. So this was this was a refreshing way to kind of meet someone. Um, and what do you love doing? This is a good question. Oh my God, so many things. Um, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I'd be traveling and exploring new countries. Making memories and capturing moments is a big um, thing for me. And being out in the nature, I absolutely love doing that. So being out, in the, um, hey, I, I want to be where the exotic places are, you know, <laughs> where all the hot springs are and the waterfalls. I love making candles and I love being a single domestic house husband. He likes to make sure everything's nice and freaky clean in my flat. <laughs> what about yourself? Uh, well, obviously... On that in that in that aspect, we are um, compatible for sure. The I everything you said, I was like yes, yes, yes. So I for me, my main passion is uh, modern foreign languages. So I studied French and Spanish at school at university, and then I've been teaching myself German since. So I actually learned uh, German in secondary. So all I know is Eins, zwei, drei, vier, and Guten Tag. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need, really. That and ask for a beer. Personally, it was not someone that I would actually go for, and you know, as, as a person. But then, you know, going on this date, I realised it's not always about looks. It's about personality, what the person has to offer. That's something that I'm really trying to digest. So that's something that I'm coming to terms with myself. That you know. Looks can fade away, but it's the personality that's within the person that remains the same. It's about the person within, not the exterior. Studying languages, I've obviously lived abroad, I travel a lot, and I always try to get outside of my comfort zone. And I think that living in different countries or going to different countries, it's a great way to learn and really see. It was so strange when he was answering, I normally asked him the question first and while he was speaking, I was like, yep, yep. The whole time I just knew that it was exactly what I would have said. Um, so very similar, 
Mm-hmm. Um, romantically matched, I wouldn't say so. The fact that we get on well was was great. I, I'm a bit more spontaneous. I think that's the word I was said before. Spontaneous mess. Yeah, that's me. That, oh my god, I'm, I'm a spontaneous mess. <laughs> Do you think that your match has the kinds of traits that you normally look for in a partner? Yes. Everything that we kind of said to each other, we were like, yes, same. And when, when we were speaking, we were like, oh yeah. Like, you know, we could totally relate to each other. Everything, we're so aligned in what we're looking for, for sure. He has the traits. And maybe we're too similar, though. I think mm. that could be that could be an issue. I mean, I think that seeing him in person would be different, first of all, of the whole Zoom thing. But he was so well organised and super prepared that <laughs> um, it kind of made me think, well, I want to ask him some questions just off the cuff and see how he responds and his answer to those. Three traits that you'd be looking for in a partner. Um, someone very affectionate um, and that isn't scared to just express their love for me and yeah. for whichever way that may be in. So if it's, I love, I'm a, I'm a person of affection. So holding hands when I'm abroad, kissing, just everything. Um, yeah. A person doesn't need to hold back. Um, some right, of that's public just, display, what's that? Yeah. So display of affection, that's what you want, PDAs. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, because I'm such a, I'm a hopeless romantic Capricorn. I just love Oh God, me too. <laughs> <laughs> See, with me, I love, I love bonding with people, like in person. I'm not over, yeah. I'm not this kind of over text person, like, you know, Zoom kind of thing. Like, I like being in front of the person, seeing what they're saying, what the emotions are. Well, like, when you're in front of someone, their emotions, their facial expressions, yeah. their face does not lie with what they're saying. Whereas over a camera, you can kind of hide that somehow. I think that he is very into the well. The fact that he's into the supernatural, and think he used to try and be like a witch when he was younger. That was so me. <laughs> um, and anything to do with the occult world, so mystical, supernatural, Same. magical powers, practices, any kind of phenomena. Yeah, that's well, all those things really. So even like my favorite film when I was a child, from when I was like six, was Hocus Pocus. And I was obsessed with it. So yeah, I've always been really into like supernatural stuff, especially witches. I feel like a a, a strong female witch is like great. Um, I think we, I think we need to make a trip to Salem. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it would be pretty cool to be fair. And then he loves to travel, and I think that that adventurous side of him, I I try to be and that he's travelled those and he likes to try new things. So all of that really makes us very, very similar. Yeah, like he kept in a very affectionate relationship and I think that that came across. Um, yeah. And that's something that I'm looking forward to. Do you think that there are there were a few things that you might have been uncompatible on incompatibilities? Yeah, a little bit. I think um, definitely the organisation thing, that he mm-hmm. seems to be super organised, super prepared. He, want, he would make the... He would make the food for his picnic when he went to a lovely date. That's so not me. What's your ideal date then? I would definitely say a road trip to a new location. A picnic near the waterside. Obviously the picnic made by me. (laughs) (laughs) So a picnic near the waterside, somewhere with beautiful scenery, um, or somewhere just low-key and quiet. We can just spend time and just talk, laugh, and you don't have to worry about the people being around you. I love being around people, but at the same time I like being alone. Obviously, I'd have to speak to him more to kind of see that, you know, are these the things that I'm actually after? Would you go on a second date if that was an option? Yeah, I I wouldn't. It wouldn't be a date. I would mm-hmm. like to meet up with him 
for sure. And I think that'd be really fun. Um, and just to see what we're like in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, see if we are really as, as similar as, uh, as I think I have the perception that we are. So I quite like to see if it is true in person, but it wouldn't be romantic for me. Also, age might play a different uh, um, part of it as well. I'm six years older than him. So mm-hmm. I think maybe that, cha- I mean, you're always changing as a person and maturing and growing. So I think that maybe, yeah. <laughs> All important question. Would you go on a second date? Currently in life right now, I am not after a relationship, but I'm being very open to it. I'm not going to close myself from it. Like I know in life right now, I'm not ready for a relationship. But I think I've just kind of closed myself off because I actually got myself out of a relationship last summer. I was in a long-term, long-distance relationship. I wouldn't say long-term, long-distance relationship, which didn't kind of really go my way. And I walked away from the relationship. So I'm just kind of in the process of healing and getting myself back, getting myself out of the shell. But I am not going to close off possibilities. So yes, I would definitely go on a second date and then you can still remain friends because we have so many things in common. And I I don't have many friends which I can be open-minded about like, you know, I can speak to all these things, my interests about, I think I would like to have more queer friends mm-hmm. that I can, you know, speak to all of these things about and be like, hey, I relate to this. Let's talk more about it. Or, you know, let's do this together. Let's do that together. So even if it's not on a relationship level, I've gained a friend. What did they, like, what, the verdict? what's the verdict? Friends. Yeah, and it's like friends. And what was their reflections? Were they like, oh, yeah, we were similar? Did they say? Both of them were saying how it was crazy how similar they were, which obviously, yeah, they have nearly all the same planets in Capricorn. Yeah, and and virtually the same houses. I mean, they've got the same chart. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So they're exactly the same. So that's how we can prove that birth charts. Yeah, do you determine similar kinds of individuals? Yeah. Yes. Okay. But their charts, they are quite similar, but they're almost at different evolutionary stages of being. Mm, Yeah, very much, which you do get in the interview. You do get that. It's like, would I be great friends with someone born at the exact same time and place as me, but 90 years before? (laughs) Imagine me, you know, like 105. Would we be friends? Probably not. We might even be better friends if you were 105. (laughs) I wasn't saying me and you, you absolute cretinous monk. (laughs) I was saying me and me. I was being a narcissist. Would I be friends with myself? Why would you be friends with you? I'm not asking about you. What's wrong with you at 105? Why wouldn't you be friends with you at 105? I feel like I would like myself even more. Oh, yes, I know you would. What I'm saying (laughs) is that Calvin was like ancient compared to Chirag. They were the same egg. But Calvin yes. had aged and Chirag hadn't. <laughs> an old egg. <laughs> he was an old egg. Chirag was just plucked fresh from the chicken. I think Calvin thought that Chirag was a little bit young. Yeah, obviously. And Chirag is on this personal journey of healing. He got out of a relationship and it sort of made him look at lots of other aspects of his life. And so he's in this healing journey. Lovely. Which is fantastic. <laughs> I love the dryness of, from us. <laughs> fucking brilliant. It's fucking fantastic. And it is, it's fucking fantastic. I mean, that's why we called him the pilgrim. Exactly. Yeah. So I think he's very aware of this kind of moment that he's in to do lots of inner work and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it does feel like for him, it's a very personal journey at the moment mm. and not so relational. No, 
No. And, you know, no. You know, no. it's the kind of classic thing of <laughs> you being burned before. You've got to yeah. heal those third degree burns and that takes time. Doesn't it? Get used to the scars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not speaking from experience. None, none at all. <laughs> no. no. None of us are. No. <laughs> Both of them said it was hard to determine whether they would be attracted to one another over the screen. And I do think that it's does ob- play into it's, it. It's obvious that, though, isn't it? Well, yeah. Because, I mean, most attraction comes from pheromones, doesn't it? Which yes. is s- smell. Smell or or taste. Or taste. <laughs> A little lick will determine. <laughs> A little lick of the cheek, I find, is enough A little to lick me. of the inner palm will tell me in Just seconds. A little eyeball lick. Quickly, flick it out like a frog. (laughs) But it is true, it is about smell instantly. Yes, and a lot about body language and all of that. Smell, very potent. Smell, eye contact, like definitely like the smell of scalp. The smell of scalp? scalp. Like a baby. Do you know what I mean? Scalp smell. Yes, I do. Sadly, I do know what you mean. Like the smell of someone's hair as well, yeah. And it's so, so specific to different people. Yes. Mm, scalp smell. <laughs> Next time you're on a date, indulge in a little bit of scalp smelling. It'll do wonders. <laughs> it's wildly efficient way. Scalp smell. <laughs> like scalp speed smell by Lucy Porter. Yeah. yeah, entice them in. I will say also that, and I was kind of talking a little bit to Chirag about this, Mm. um, and Calvin actually, that being friends is so underrated. Friendships as a relationship, or even as a relationship starting point, I think is wildly underrated. Like there's this fascination and obsession with romantic love as being kind of got to be attracted to each other. Love at first sight. Chemistry, chemistry, chemistry. But actually, Mm. friendships are... I think one of the purest relationships. You just want to be in somebody's company and that's yeah. it. It's not transactional. You're not looking for anything back. You're just there to enjoy yourself. I agree. And also a little bit of biology. I mean, what we mistake for chemistry really is just developmental wounds playing mm-hmm. out in the other and we're looking to heal them through that relationship. That's why, because someone feels familiar that we get so attracted to them. Oh, that's scary. I mean, this is the book, Harville Hendricks and Helen Hendricks, and it's somewhere beside me. Anyway, and it's basically all about what we believe chemistry to be, what happens in our brain when we fancy someone, but it's just because they remind us of a parent that we have a wound with. That's disgusting. It's disgusting and it's terrifying. And the longer you stay in relationships, the more that you realise that to be true. So actually, I'm kind of a big voucher for Mm -hmm. starting a relationship with someone where there's no chemistry if you want to enjoy your relationship (laughs) and not heal through it. But (laughs) I mean, there's both. As long as you don't fancy each other whatsoever, it's going to be fantastic. (laughs) There's going to be no trauma arising if you don't want to screw them at all. I mean, I won't say that you're not wrong. Thank you. Thank you, my love. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for yours. (laughs) Hey, babe, what are you doing? How are you feeling today? Are you affected by the planet's locations? Do you know if Mercury's a retrograde? Oh, it's called Getting the Love You Want.